You're listening to Critical End episode 96. The episode let a sassy black girl dress it. like second movie like when was the last time we had a playtone movie no it actually wasn't we've had a lot of playtone movies um along the ways that the biggest being and i think it this was it might still be i don't think anymore it was the biggest independent film as far as uh money wise uh-huh. money that made wise of all time um my big fat greek wedding was also playtone oh yeah um there's been a few scattered around there's also been several playtone series uh there was that uh band of brothers uh oh, was okay. a playtone series and a few other ones, too. However, the Playtone uh, logo and stuff never quite matched those things. Whenever it would pop up and I'd see them, like, that's kind of weird. And then someone gets shot and, like, Hitler's bad, that sort of thing. <laughs> Hitler's Hanks. back and he's ready for more. <laughs> Playtone Records presents. Hitler bad. Tom Hanks good. Uh, <laughs> I'm the guy with the gun. I'm the guy with the gun. Uh, but no, uh, yeah, there have been a few. But this is the first one. I think it's been almost exactly 15 years now mm-hmm. uh, that Tom Hanks has returned to direct uh, specifically and then to co-write this one he uh, i think he completely wrote that thing you do mm-hmm. uh, which is one of my faves i love that movie that's a, lot. a good movie why don't uh, I so after i think what it was a 15 year absence i was very excited to see him behind the camera again and working on a script again so uh, larry crown was a somewhat exciting venture for me and then uh, as i get closer and closer i was like oh wait this is just looking like community um, and then finally, it uh, after a lot of publicity on Tom, Tom Hanks' part, he went all around promoting this movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of came out, and it's already now listed as one of the top ten biggest failures of 2011. Oh, poor Tom Hanks. Poor Tom Hanks. I think he'll recover fine. But, uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> he is a multimillionaire, but I mean, poor Tom Hanks. <laughs> well, it's not too surprising, Logan, because uh, the movie's a, sort of a by-the-numbers love story that is really, at, at 99 minutes, it still feels really long. I agree. Uh, it, I guess we you know, we shouldn't jump straight to the review, but I, I thought the biggest problem with this movie was it seems like a script that Tom Hanks wrote after that thing you do. Because it seems like a late 90s sensibility to the comedy, to the fact that a lot of the comedy even seems dated in a way. Well, it's sort of Garden State-esque almost in its comedy a little bit. It's sort of just like, it, isn't life funny? Perhaps. It's a lot better than Garden State, I think. It is better than Garden State. Which, did Zach Braff write Garden State? I don't know. Probably. So who would have thought one of the Bosom Buddy guys would be a better writer than him? Wait, Garden State? Wait, Zach Braff wrote the other one that he was in, right? No, the I think he wrote Garden Garden State? State. Yeah, he wrote Garden State. And then right. you're thinking of, like, The Last Kiss. Was that the other uh, one that came well, out? Well, no, I'm not thinking of that. Maybe was, no, I'm not thinking of that one. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Anyway, oh, that's a whole other movie. Um, so, okay, so a little setup here for... Uh, um, Larry Crown. So I, Tom, called, I, I literally almost called it the Larry Crown affair. The Larry. <laughs> yeah, Tom Hanks can't wear yeah. a polo shirt in any other movie now because it's copyrighted 
Get it, Thomas Crown? Uh, yeah, I'm with you. Okay, anyway, um, so Tom Hanks... <laughs> it's plays... a really obscure reference. And I was thinking, like, right? what Wright's talking about? Does anyone else know what he's talking about? I like it. It was so obscure, you were just like, I, I refuse to acknowledge yeah, this. I, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I always thought that was a really funny thing, though, about Thomas Crown. Okay, yeah, anyway, go ahead. He didn't wear a tie. Anyway, uh, Tom Hanks plays Larry Crown, who is a... Not really a manager, but like a senior employee at a Costco slash Walmart type location called U-Mart. Um, and so he goes uh, to work every day, stocking things, basically does all that stuff. He used to be in the Navy. He was a cook for several years, but now he's he's gone, come back and he's uh, doing this. Well, he's done this for like nine years, I think. Something yeah. like that. Anyway, uh, he uh, finds out one day, as you see in the trailer, that he is fired because he never went to school. And so he can't be promoted because he never went to school, and so they sort of like can't do anything else with him, so they're getting rid of him. Yeah, he's pretty much fired because he's unpromotable, which is kind of weird. It is weird, uh, but that does happen, I imagine. Yeah, never mind. Well, no, never mind the fact that he's one of their best employees, though. Right. Uh, this is already kind of a bit odd. Oh, but also, I you totally think... believe that happens. Well, I mean, no, I'm sure that happens in some ways, but that combined with the fact that he had uh, like 20-plus years of experience in the Navy, I feel something weird's happening here. Um it's got to be okay, one of those things where, like, they either – he's probably – if he's been there for nine years, he's gotten raises and things. They, it's, he can get, mm -hmm. like, a much cheaper guy to do his job. Right. So anyway, so, forget about the realism of that situation. Yeah, yeah, big companies work this way, folks. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. The point is that this is a – it's a movie about the tough times in the economy, Logan. No! And uh, – <laughs> oh, God, no! I, I didn't pay for that kind of movie! My, okay. Yeah, my <laughs> stock price is um, – Anyway, he's fired. He can't believe it. Uh, he goes back to his home. We sort of learn that he was presumably divorced a while ago. We don't learn too much about that. Look at problem number two. Uh, strange, yeah, mystery wife. Yeah. Who's referenced several times but never pays off. Okay, go ahead. He talks about buying out his wife's half of his house. So I, presumably they didn't, she didn't die or something. What about his giant record collection that seems like it should be some sort of plot point but never shows up yeah, again? Yeah, that must something must have gotten cut about that, right? Because he has this huge record collection. It's introduced early in the movie. He mentioned it. He yeah, they mentioned it several times. He buys records from the perpetual yard sale that's always going on next door, which is kind of a funny bit. Yeah, um, I like right. Yeah, uh, but that never pays off. Anyway, uh, okay. he's now is in this house he can't afford. He doesn't have a job. Uh, he doesn't know what to do. He can't get work. So he decides to go back to school. And uh, he goes to college and meets um, community college. Community college. He meets a sassy black girl who, uh, for some reason, immediately takes control of his life. Uh, not really explained. And he also meets Julia Roberts, who is his teacher in this speech class, um, who he has a, a romantic sort of thing going on with the whole movie. Now, my biggest problem right off the bat, Logan, huh. is that um, I don't see any real reason why anybody he meets instantly connects with him. Uh, exactly. Like this. Well, sassy black girl. She just liked his scooter, apparently, which yeah. is weird. Yeah. I mean, and I kind of like. She's like, oh, she's a free spirit. Like, I kind of get that, but like, that's kind of annoying. To, that's enough to be like, hey, let's go hang out. But like, right, right. I don't, I don't quite see why his character would want to hang out with her so much too. I mean, he's. I can get. I get behind that because he's sort of just like a nice guy with not many friends. Mm -hmm. Um, but she, not only is she like, oh, hang out with us, she, like, immediately inducts him into her scooter gang and then takes control of his entire life, changing everything about his appearance and his, like, home and everything to make him, like, hip and young and cool. Right, he's a project for her, yeah. Exactly. Um, I don't really know why, but I especially don't well, understand anything about the, uh, relationship between he and Julie Roberts, which are, where there's no chemistry or lead-up or anything. I absolutely agree with that, and that leads back to Sassy Black Girl. The only reason she's there, she's a uh, script slash plot device, 
uh, that's supposed to be the foil between those two. You know, we have Tom Hanks and Julia Roberts who are supposed to be together because they're Tom Hanks and Julia Roberts, right. of course. Um, and we need someone to throw in the middle kind of who uh, Julia Roberts sees as a threat and why she, that's what's stopping her from getting together with Tom Hanks. Never mind the fact that she's married mm-hmm. uh, to uh, Brian Cranston, I think his name is, who's a great actor who's completely misused in this film. Underused at the very least. Um, yeah, underused at the very least, you're right. Uh, and that should be the biggest problem, but that's kind of like, taken care of in, uh, just by the fact that he's a, a kind of a jerk anyway, you know? Mm-hmm. It's never really even a problem for Tom Hanks' character. No, I mean, well, he doesn't... No, it isn't really a problem for him. I mean, not that it necessarily it has be. to be. I mean, I, like, I don't know. I feel like it should be. Why else would she be married? Like, they, they make the problem the sassy black girl instead of the fact that she's married, which I, I feel like that would be the biggest clash of... Well, that is part of the problem that this is sort of two movies at war. Like, is this movie about this guy who goes back to school and gets his life on track, or is it about Julia Roberts who's disillusioned with her marriage and doesn't know what she wants to and you know do with her life? It's not really about both. It, at times, it's about either, and those two stories don't really ever mesh very well for me. They never do. And when they do come together, you're right, the chemistry's not there to carry the, uh, both stories combined. Also, Julie uh, Roberts is very unlikable in this movie. Well, I see, honestly, I was wondering if that was just me, because going into this movie, I, I'm not a big Julia Roberts fan anyway, me okay? Neither. yeah. Um, and so I wasn't too excited about it, but I'm like, well, if anyone knows how to how to use Julia Roberts, it's going to be Tom Hanks and through his direction or whatnot. We're gonna, it's going to work in this movie, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was hoping for a slightly better and more original script than this, too. Uh, but none of that stuff shows up. Julia Roberts seems almost miscast at times. I don't quite. She, you know, she's doing the Julia Roberts '90s uh, like size that she's so known for and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I wanted something different from that character, and and then in the end, her character really doesn't change except through the fact that you know she meets Tom Hanks' character, but she's still the same old person for the most part as far as her job and all that's concerned. Yeah, I don't understand what she's supposed to have seen in Tom Hanks that is something she was looking for or missing why he is I mean I guess I I get that he is a better choice than than Brian Cranston who that you know is just the the evil husband but the thing uh, I love and this is an example of what I mean Ryan about like this is very late to the game humor I feel that that uh that most of the script is um Brian Cranston doesn't have a problem with porn he just has a problem with big boobs apparently that's hilarious um, because he we we catch him looking at completely clothed women exactly and some of them from like the 1940s too it looks <laughs> I like no there's vintage stuff in there really weird um but no they're completely clothed and she even points it out she I mean she doesn't actually say hey you don't you you know you have a porn problem she actually points out it's like you just have a problem with big-breasted women uh, which is really odd uh, I don't know. I think Tom Hanks was trying to keep, maybe, I'm trying to imagine him sitting at the typewriter, uh, keep on like, the family-friendly side with some of this. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, but he's instantly like made out to be a villain, and therefore the audience is okay of her dumping her husband, you know? That's right. I never actually thought of that way. Like, either the porn thing is used to make him look, no, he's, vilify him. For the very first scene, he we already hate him as the audience. So therefore, we already knew right off the bat, I'm like, uh, obviously she's going to dump him. There's not going to be even, well, yeah. sort of like, here between the two characters, and there never was. I I can't even remember if Tom Hanks even met his character. No, I don't think so. Other than oh, driving my... by him, but like I never actually thought of it. Like I hated him because he was a was because I, I was supposed to first of all. I'm like, okay, movie fine, I agree. Yeah. But because uh, he was like a lazy fuck up. But like I never thought of that. They were trying to vilify him for the porn thing. Like basically, which is kind of weird because I mean it's like I mean at he... this day of age are we really like no one looks at porn ever? Right. <laughs> what did he actually do? What was his job? He was a writer of sci-fi books. Okay, but he had not done that in years, so now he was just writing blogs or something? He was just spending all day on the internet, basically, yeah. Okay, but he was claiming that he was getting paid or doing something online that was... No, he wasn't getting paid. He was just, like, commenting on blogs is essentially what it was. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Anyway. As I understand. 
So I think we covered most of the plot here. Meanwhile, there's other characters too. By getting um, indicted into this uh, uh, scooter gang, I've almost said biker gang. By getting into the scooter gang, he meets some other. Which is crazy... led by Wilmer Valderrama for some weird reason. Yeah. Also, very weird casting there too. Yeah. None of his uh, like, oh, this is a scooter gang. We should be kind of ironically scary and funny. Jokes are even that funny or scary. Uh, or present. Yeah, the scooter game looks cool, I think, uh, and it probably sounds neat as one of those quirky, there you go, Garden State type things. Uh, but it never really is that fulfilling or pays off in any way. Well, the problem is it's like it's set up to be like, look at this clash between old stodgy Tom Hanks and these young hip kids on scooters, but they instantly all love him, so there's no clash. Yeah, not only that, and they seem to just kind of take in anybody who's willing, to, who has a scooter who right now. Who rides a scooter, yeah. Like they're, they're just excited about that aspect. Furthermore, there's people in his class that fulfill the community TV show type thing here. Um, of just kind of these goofy people that he normally wouldn't hang out with that he kind of has to hang out with. Um, they're all kind of saddled, once again, very 90s, late-to-the-game humor uh, and, far, and what they're saying. There's even Star Trek jokes in there, which were a little beyond me, I thought. Mm -hmm. um, however, I must point out, they were very fulfilling to the uh, theater, which was mostly completely old couples and Logan. Right. Uh, they were really cracking up at the sight of Tom Hanks and skinny jeans in a chain wallet. Sure, of course. Well, to me, I thought it was kind of easy. Uh, but there's not too much really going on in this movie, Ryan. I can see why critics aren't being aren't too happy with it, and people are kind of avoiding it. Well, it's you know where it's going to go. Obviously, it's it's a romance movie. You know what's going to happen. But it's like, important. It is a romantic comedy, I right? Um, but I'm more interested in Tom Hanks. Like, I, I I thought it was I enjoyed um, parts of it because I was like, Tom Hanks is just a lovable guy. Like, I wish that the movie had actually been about what it said it was going to be about, which is this guy trying to get his life back together. But we spend long time long periods not really interacting with him and interacting with julia roberts who doesn't really seem to be doing anything and then they get together which makes no sense he never even says he wants to get together with her exactly it just sort of happens and he's like all right i guess Does. i mean um like the 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 shot that you see in the trailer which is like the end of the trailer which is they they kiss and then like she sees him through the people like celebrating mm. that's it takes like an hour and 15 minutes to get to that and that's like the first anything that's ever brought up between them. It's 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 the the parts with just Tom Hanks being Tom Hanks are pretty great. And I wish the the movie had focused on what is what is wrong with his life, how is he going to fix it, and turn his life around, rather than focus on this shoehorned romantic thing that just doesn't work for me. Well, let me uh, I want to paraphrase the Entertainment Weekly review because I think they ex they pinned it exactly. And this is what a lot of critics were saying too, right? Okay. Okay. Um, Tom Hanks and Julia Roberts. Are, are great old friends. They're friends that you love to have over every chance you get, right? Right. Sometimes you have them over, and it's a great time, and, you know, weeks later or even a year later, you're looking back on you're telling people a story about the night they came over and how much fun it was. Other times, it's not as memorable. It's not to say it wasn't fun. It's just they were there, but nothing exciting so much happened. Okay? Right. That's exactly what Larry Crown is. You just had uh, your old friends, Tom Hanks and Julia Roberts, over. It just wasn't a very memorable time. Mm -hmm. You still enjoyed it while you were there and everything, but when you left, I mean, when they left, you were just kind of like, you know, it was, it was good, but we didn't get any of those exciting stories that we usually get when they come by. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the case here, and I, I'm, I'm getting hints of, uh, it's funny, because this is Aaron Sorkin, and Aaron Sorkin, uh, you know, he, he came back with uh, Social Network, but he brought us Charlie Wilson's War. Does anyone even remember that movie now, right before Social Network? Right, I remember And that. it just came and went really fast, and I was telling to Julie Roberts, I think it's another great example, okay? We had a good movie here, it's just kind of... It wasn't great, you know? It's mm -hmm. just middle of the road, kind of. Um, and that's what's wrong with Larry Crown. And I think a lot of it, and I might, I don't want to, you know, 
uh, speak out of school for you too, Ryan. Uh, but I think this might be the case for you too. A lot of it was, I was just excited because this was Tom Hanks written and directed, so I feel really let down because of that aspect of it. Yeah, I... I don't I feel... I 15 years for another one. Yeah, I know. I, I, I can see that. I don't feel too let down about it. It's just sort of like, my expectations weren't as high as, as yours maybe, but I was just sort of like, eh, I guess it's, I'll just see this. I'm sure it'll be fine, like, fluffy, fun. And it, it was... But at the end of it, it's just there. There's so there are too many problems to ignore. Exactly. Um, it's 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 funny because like the tone of it is supposed to be sort of this like watch goofy Tom Hanks you know be a fish <laughs> out of water, but it never really quite lives up to that. Like he's not he never does. he never has much of a hard time doing anything. I, a lot of it might be because it's Tom Hanks. I'm like, well, he's cool in any situation. Well, yeah. It's everyone likes Tom Hanks. Um, but now I don't know. He sells me in some of that stuff and. I don't remember ever really, really laughing out loud during much during this movie at all. Um, but I remember thinking he was lovable, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I guess that, once again, is Tom Hanks. Um, one story. big plus for this movie, as far as Logan's concerned, is an almost entirely Jeff Lynne produced, written, and a lot of Jeff Lynne songs. A soundtrack to this movie. There was um, good music. It was really nice. I imagine Tom Hanks actually went through his old records to find songs he liked to use. Is that the um, ELO guy? Yes, yeah. Okay. Electric, light orchestra, electric Light Orchestra and Traveling Wilburys. Gotcha. Um, and then when we didn't have him showing up, we had the you know him producing or co-written uh, Tom Petty songs ever uh, used well, too, I mm-hmm. thought. And to hear, um, uh, I think it's Calling America, I want to say his name of that song, uh, Blast uh, from like, you know, whatever, like 15 speakers in my theater at, during the end credits was a nice touch, too, I thought. That was a good end song, yeah. I thought that was nice. But uh, that's I'm not going to review review a movie based on the soundtrack. Um, although, once again, that thing you do, great soundtrack, let's be honest. Maybe Tom Hanks should stick to record producing. <laughs> <laughs> that's totally true. He's more of a music guy. Yeah, he is. Um, but no, I, that's the other thing. I, I, I hate to do this, but I'm comparing a little too much to that thing you do in my head. I'm thinking um, how that thing you do is so amazing. I came home and I instantly wanted to watch it again. And um, but not Larry Crown. I think Larry Crown. It's gonna be like I said that that uh, that time they came by that I just kind of forgot about it until someone brings it up over the years and I'm like, oh yeah, Larry Crown. I forgot about that movie. Yeah, that was the that was the time that uh, Tom Hanks was trying too hard and his his wife Julie Roberts was just sort of bitter the whole time when they came over. <laughs> he played wife, Scrabble, Rita, but it wasn't fun. When he played Scrabble, his real wife Rita Wilson was there too, but she's trying to sell me insurance or something. It's very odd. Oh yeah, that was her, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, she showed up as the like bank loan person only because she's married to Tom Hanks. See, that scene was satisfying. Those two scenes because it well, sort of I felt lived like, up to the premise. The premise. Yeah, I thought that was going somewhere, but I thought that him, his record collection was what was going to save him from any sort of mounting debt, yeah. or like that would be the restart to start of his new life when he sold his records. That'd be the breaking point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but no, that never happened. Uh, instead, he's just like, I'm gonna foreclose my house. I've decided that it's a smart thing to do. Yeah, which I... Boring, Tom Hanks. It is boring. Also, it's like I never knew that the house was important to him, so it wasn't a particularly poignant scene. Yeah, that, exactly. It seemed like his neighbor was more important to him than anything. Yeah. Uh, which is one of the few times I thought Cedric the Entertainer was well cast. Yeah, he did, really, he did a pretty good job, yeah. It reminded me that I actually do like him. I just don't like most of the movies he's in. I agree. I, I like him when he's reading someone else's lines, I guess. is <laughs> how it is. Uh, but no, uh, Larry Crown gets a five from me. It's exactly middle of the road. I think as middle of the road as you can get for a movie. Tom Hanks' charm bumped it to a six for me, but I can't really recommend anyone rush out to see it. Huh. Um, I don't have anything else to say about Larry Crown. No, it's I kind of figured it'd be like this too. It's one. It's, I think that's why I fall so middle of the road for me. I'm just I'm indifferent both ways. I'm on the fence about Larry Crown. I, I would I'd like to say that 
that here's a movie that you need to all rush out and see because no one saw it this weekend. I don't know why. Everyone needs to go see Larry Crowd. It's so amazing. And that's what I was hoping to say, but no. Uh, it didn't happen. Right. Uh, oh, well. Uh, summer's still uh, heating up, literally, uh, with Harry Potter coming up, Ryan. Yep. The final Harry Potter movie, and of course, uh, you know, we have all this stuff now. Dan Radcliffe saying he's drunk most of the time. That was funny to me. I love that. Loves the sauce. He even he's, he seems like a pretty classy kid, and I like that even when he had a terrible addiction, he did it classily. He's like, uh, you didn't know about it when it happened, but uh, it did, and now I'm over it. Like he's super well, British about it. One day, and this is literally like, like two days uh, back to back, right? One day, I the thing popped up, and because I guess they were all at the premiere, okay? And it's like uh, Harry Potter kids graduate if any sort of like tabloid stuff. That's like the sort of headline I was seeing, right? Mm-hmm. And it's true, you know. I click on and read the article. I'm like, okay, all three of those kids got out. No crazy tabloid stories or anything, right? Okay, cool. Very next day, um, Dan Radcliffe's like, hey, I'm a little drunk right now, <laughs> and it turns out I was drunk since I was like nine. Hey. Um, which is kind of funny. Uh, no, I, you know, I have nothing against Kit for this. Honestly, though, this is what, he's 21 or 22, correct? Am I right about this? Yeah. Uh, so he's just, he's speaking while he's young, and he's like, I've given up booze. The guy has, like, plenty of time to still become an alcoholic. I think he, what he's going through right now is, uh, something we all, or most of us went through called college, Ryan. I was gonna say, like, I wouldn't even... I'm not even sure he was an alcoholic. I think he just yeah, I think, went right. through a period where he drank more than he usually exactly. did. Exactly. I mean, you're when you're in your early 20s, that's what you do. I mean, yeah. It's uh, if uh, he's not he's not Corey Feldman or anything, okay? Yeah, and the uh, fact that he got I mean, you know, he got over it. But anyway, good for him, obviously. But. See, I think the fact that he got over it, I'm I'm doing like the air quotes here, is kind of funny because he like I said he's young. Yeah. He's plenty of time still to be an alcoholic. Uh, so if I was uh, in any sort of, and I'm the worst person, I'm no like Dr. Drew. You should never hire me for your rehab show. You are Dr. But, Dre, weirdly. So which which is kind of weird, yeah. But I would tell him to go drink more right now, because <laughs> uh, he's young, his body can take it, uh, and he'll be fine. And you know, when he reaches his late twenties slash thirty, and he's still drinking like this, then he might have a problem. But <laughs> he'll be like, "How did this happen?" He'll be like, "Cause I told you to drink a lot. Why, Why did you, you listen to me, Cliff?" <laughs> He's like, well, now, I have a lot of advisors, but I decided to listen to this guy named Logan on the internet. <laughs> in exchange, he was going to tell me how to succeed in business, Ryan. <laughs> I didn't really want really trying. Uh, no, I thought that was kind of fun. I'm trying to think of other entertainment news that popped up this week. But no, uh, I think Daniel Radcliffe was a great story. The highlight being the fact that he was drunk all during like the filming of the sixth movie. Which makes sense. The sixth movie was pretty boring. I would have to drink to be in it as well. I, I started talking about this someone at work. I don't remember the sixth one being that bad. And then they're like, well, at least it's better than the fifth one. I'm like, hold on. I don't no, remember that's not true. That bad oh, wait, no, either. I'm sorry. No, that's also not true. Well, the, what I, the, I think what it came down to for me, though, as a non-Super you know super Harry Potter fan, was the fourth movie was so bad mm-hmm. that they had a nice long recovery for, for Logan. Like, anything they made for the next, like, four or five years after that would have been great. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. I still don't understand. Everybody I meet, without a doubt says the first two movies are terrible and the third is their favorite, which is the exact opposite of what I think. Ryan, thank you so much uh, for still believing in that. Because um, I, I would have thought after all these years you, you would have changed in your opinion on that. The third, uh, I haven't seen it for a while, but the third movie misses the point of the third book, and the first two movies are exactly like the book. It's weird, you're coming at it from like a book standpoint. Yeah. Well, for me, it was from a movie standpoint that everything just completely changed all of a sudden, and for the first time ever, I had no clue what was going on in the Harry Potter universe. Mm-hmm. Um it was a really weird, and the weird thing is that, you know, you and I both complain about that, but the tone is carried over to every Harry Potter film since then. Well, it gets darker by, natu- by nature. Right, and I'm fine with that. It's been better. Don't, don't get me wrong. Like, the tone's been improved over these films. Mm-hmm. Um, however, after the third one came, you know, we had Goblet of Fire, which for me was like the breaking point. I'm like, oh, man, these Harry Potter films are only going to get worse. This is just terrible. Yeah. Uh, 
And then, of course, it did, I think, get better from there. And uh, Harry Potter, to me, is just kind of, like, leveled out now. It's that, t- <laughs> it's that Larry Crown middle of the road feeling. Hard <laughs> like, calling Larry Crown. Yes. It's Larry Crown is the definition of middle of the road now. It's, it's, it's memorable for its mediocrity. Um, but, <clears throat> no, uh, I'm glad you still feel that way about uh, Harry Potter. So, uh, what are we drinking tonight, Ryan? You know, I don't have a drink in front of me, which is nope. rare. I mean, I did through most of Harry Potter 6, but not this. You give me dry mouth disease, Ryan. I know, I'm sorry. It's a real disease. I need booze to fix it. Well, that's because I had, like, a... I actually just got back from seeing Larry Crown, where I had a Coke Zero the whole time, and I was like, I've had enough to drink at the moment. What are you drinking? Um, I am drinking, and are you ready for... So you asked, you, you opened Pandora's box of pain. Uh, okay. It's right next to the regular Pandora's box. Drinking blood. I'm drinking blood. <laughs> My own blood. Tom Hanks. They bottle it, sell it now. It's, uh, it's sold through Coke, I believe. Oh, weird. Um, I just now found this out. It's because it has, I've been absent from the from the scene for like two years now. Okay. Scene. Uh, but uh, but Schlitz, which is my all-time favorite beer, as I'm sure you're aware, sure, has now reverted back to its original formula, Ryan. Okay. The one that most... keeps me young. <laughs> With a dash of Tom Hanks blood in it. <laughs> Uh, so I, I decided to try it for the first time during the, the recording of this podcast, and I'm quite enjoying it. Is this your first alcoholic beverage during the podcast? Yeah, I think so, actually. That might be the case. But it's uh, we're doing this one, usually we do it during the week, see? Yeah. Um, but we're doing it on a Saturday, so I was like, eh, why not? I was at the grocery store, and I saw like this new fancy box and everything, uh, which was going for the whole retro feel. Sure. I was like, well, my favorite beer actually tastes like it did back when um, it began. Back during when Harry Potter 6? Where I was alive when it became my favorite beer. Yeah, back when Daniel Radcliffe was on the sauce. Um, <laughs> imagine Daniel Radcliffe drinking whatever the cheapest beer in the UK is. Even though he's a millionaire, he drinks the cheapest beer. Yeah, exactly. Beer. You're, you're right. like, well, you get more of it. I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's interesting because it's they're, uh, they're bragging that, you know, it's a formula changed in like the early 80s or whatever, and that's became when it became a cheap. Because before then, it was the biggest selling beer in America. Uh, yeah. But no, it's um, I'm quite enjoying it. It's nice. But no, uh, no drink for you though. I'm surprised. No, I, I usually do, but yeah, no, not nothing at the moment. Um, can I get you something? I just bought this new blender. I'll have a Schlitz just... actually. I I can't use my blender for that. Oh. Wait, hold on. Give me a Schlitz daiquiri. A Schlitz daiquiri, okay. That is like, that's a sexual move that I have just invented. Schlitz daiquiri. I'll show you how to do. You need a you need a cup. You come around from the back and put your arms around mine. No guide. god. Is this mini golfer. <laughs> Last time you told me to it do this. It goes from sexual to just playing mini golf. <laughs> oh man, Logan. Well, um, can we stretch think, this to thirty minutes? What do you think? No, well, I yeah, I was. You had to mention. You had to open your mouth. I know. I was getting there. Uh, next, we upcoming uh, for you guys uh, before episode one hundred, which is coming out as I'm sure you're aware. It's not too late to submit uh, your. Uh, Thoughts on what we you want us to review? We'll that's review right. anything that's not movies, TV, um, that sort of thing. Right. If you've seen that, it's still on Critical if you want to check it out. Uh, but also, uh, until then, we have Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows Part 2. I'm very excited about this. Uh, coming up, which I'm excited too. I'm, I'm anxious to see how this ends. I know, Ryan, a few things about how this is going to end. Um, but I, I know it's not going to end like the guy, like uh, David Yates. Are we still on David Yates? Uh, wait. Might be that might. Uh, anyway, Newell. What's gonna... his new old dude? Oh, uh, that's Newell. right. Someone like that. Yeah. Uh, Mike Newell, I think. There it is. You go. Um, it's not gonna end like he originally planned for it to end, which was to have the Lord of the Rings ish montage of them aging throughout the movies at the end, as mm-hmm. it says like Dano Reckliff, Harry Potter. Um, Why not? 
because he said after it was all said and done, that was too uh, like too sentimental of an ending for them. They wanted more of a you know like final movie feel to it. Okay. Uh, so that's what they're going for. I guess they're going for a bang more than kind of a whimper, which is what that would have been. And I would have honestly, I would have liked that because I would have felt like there was some connection to the movies now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, right now I feel like none of them are connected except for this one because it's called Part Two, and I know there was Part One. Um, I just from the trailer, I can already tell, and I've also read a little bit that they are they've changed a little bit of the ending. But uh, all the reviews I've read have said they they improved it. Um, so I'm, they, I'm into it. Fights, fights are taking place at more cinematic places now. Right. Basically, it's a scope issue, which is fine. Right. Right. Which is neat. Um, they also uh, this is old news by this point. It's probably a year old. But they also went back to refilm a lot of the original makeup. Uh, uh, the epilogue scene. For the epilogue scene, which um, before some of those pictures had snuck out, but that's not what they refilmed. They said they actually did refilm it, applying CG to some of their faces. I mean, so, that makes sense, I guess. Yeah, I, I guess they weren't happy with the way it actually looked in the end. Although I thought it looked fine from the pictures we saw. I heard uh, that they, because they filmed it at King's Cross Station, but I heard that they, because they were on location, they were really rushed and they wanted to film it again with more leisurely uh, that makes time. Sense. So they filmed it right. on stage. Um. Let me think here. Uh, so we had that Captain America, which uh, is one of the very, very few superhero movies in uh, during my, uh, I guess, in the past like five years maybe that I've been excited about. I'm looking at that. Every time I see it, it looks better. I'm a little worried because of that. I'm like, oh, God, it looks so awesome. I hope it can live see, up to this. I've gotten used to like the Benjamin Button floating head thing now, and honestly, like I w- – Maybe it's because I've seen the trailer so many times, but this last time I saw it in theaters, I was like, you know, if I didn't know any better, I guess I would think that was the same person. Like, it was during Larry Crown. I thought about, you know, nudging, like, the old guy next to me and be like, hey, do you think that guy actually looks like that right now? <laughs> See, if, you know, what? people that think that's what the kid looks like before, you know, if they didn't know that he, you know, what. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I think it's actually very convincing. If you didn't already know what Chris, what's his face looked like. Chris, wait. Chris? Uh, Chris Pine, is that right? No, it's not Chris Pine. Is that Chris uh, Everwood? Um. I have I no forget. clue. Johnny anyway, uh, so we got we got that, and then uh, finally uh, we're gonna end the summer on a high note. At the end of July, we have Cowboys vs. Aliens. Oh yeah, that's that could be good. We'll see. I, I think it's looking better and better to me. Mm-hmm. And I, this has been a summer that actually I feel like there's an exciting movie almost every week or two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm sure people are sitting home right now. And they're like, why did they do Transformers three? Because they did the first two Transformers. Yeah, we did, didn't we? It was sort of a protest move. Yeah, I agree. I was really not about this movie. Also, I had terrible experiences doing those first two Transformers movies. Right, you were raped during that. And <laughs> which is probably what so. you remember. You, you said you just want to play mini golf. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's me for you. <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, anyways, that's the upcoming summer. Until then, uh, you can still catch up with us on Critical End. Um, which is getting a little spotty lately, only because we're preparing so much for this episode number 100. We're going all out for this thing. Yes. Uh, and then uh, the Twitter, Facebook, and we're still on iTunes as well. And I, I believe, and I don't have it open right now, Ryan, but I believe there's some new reviews on iTunes. Oh, really? Uh, at least one. Should I open it up? Uh, you can if you want to. Um, so that's uh, the places where you can catch up with us and find us there. Let's see here. Oh, it's criticalend.com, by the way. You didn't actually say At criticalend.com, and then I guess like twitter.com slash criticalend. Is that how Twitter works? Yeah, probably that. Are we actually, can we say we're facebook.com slash critical in? Is that how that works? No, I don't think that's how that works. Am I? Well, then do a search for us. You'll find us there. Uh, custom reviews. I see Logan Rock's jukebox. I don't Can I sort, by, oh, sort by date? Three. Sort by most recent. Here we go. Uh, critical in saved my love life. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, well. 
Okay, go ahead. I realized recently the critical end began nearly the exact same day I began dating my current boyfriend. I'd like to think that this is due to the large influence of Logan and Ryan on my day-to-day life. I didn't know how to tie my shoes before I listened to their first <laughs> podcast, Podcorn. Wow, old school fan. Wow. Never Hugs stopped. and kisses, Ryan. He signed Ryan and Logan. <laughs> He's never stopped Ryan and Logan. <laughs> like both of us. <laughs> we sat together was, and wrote it. <laughs> I thought to make the same joke. We got together right now. Me pacing over your shoulder, of course. <laughs> right. Dot the eye, Ryan. Dot the eye. I crossed the eye by mistake. <laughs> Plus, this is a computer. <laughs> I'm white-outing the screen. Please never stop making podcasts, because if you do, it means I'll probably have to kill my boyfriend or break up with him or something. Oh, dear. We Uh-oh. should say that uh, even though we're taking a hiatus at the end of, at the after episode 100, uh, we don't intend to stop uh, making podcasts. In fact, we're working on a potential new project, so don't worry. You'll always have some Logan and Ryan in your life. That's right. We'll always be there. We're like that ant that always shows up and you don't want her to. Aunt Mildred. Aunt Mildred. That's both of us combined? Brought you the cookies. (laughs) Is that you, Aunt Mildred? That's me, Aunt Mildred. Did you bring me the cookies? I just told you I did.